Bible prophesied of a unique time on earth, Israel would be returned to her land, the church would turn to false doctrines, technology would increase, and wickedness and immorality would run rampant. The time spoken of so long ago has come. Join Charlie Garrett as he breaks down these events for us as they unfold each week. Let's see here. It's 7 July, Sunday. It's time for the Prophecy Update of the Week. And let's see, our first category, as always, is Israel. And from breaking Israel news, which I normally won't cite because they're kind of goofy, but they do have things once in a while that are okay. This made a lot of other news services as well. This just happened to be the first one that came out this week. A lot of people have probably heard about this, but if not, Trump's Israel ambassador sledgehammers his way to the Third Temple. Okay. President Trump's Israel envoy Ambassador Friedman and Middle East advisor Greenblatt hammered through the final wall to reconnect a 2,000-year-old road the ancient Jews used to bring sacrifices up to the Second Temple with. Yeah, they found this road, they've been working on it, and they finally got to the final wall, and they allowed our ambassador and the Middle East advisor. Uh, the two of them broke through this final wall. And so now they have this ancient road that they can now go. Now, obviously, breaking Israel news is saying this is in anticipation of the third temple. And it is. We have a third temple coming. That's is stated in the Bible. Uh, that's not God's intent for them. It's his allowance for them. His intent is that they would come to Jesus Christ and know him. But a temple will be built, and so we'll go on from there. The city of David discovered the Pilgrim's Road, which was used by Israelites during the second temple period to bring sacrifices from the Valley of Siloam up to the Temple Mount, the site of the second temple. Uh, digger with the city of David explained that when her crew began digging, they realized that there was a road in the location. However, she didn't know exactly where it started. But as soon as she uncovered the stairs, this lady Luria realized that was where the road began. In the past six years, we've been working on excavating intensively, says Dr. Joel Uziel. The Pilgrim Street, which led from the Salome Pool up to the Temple Mount, about 600 meters long, 8 meters wide, would have housed the thousands of pilgrims which arrived in Jerusalem from surrounding areas in order to take part in the ceremonies on the Temple. And this is a road that Jesus would have walked on as well. It notes that he was at the Pool of Siloam. Well, we know he was on this road, and he would have followed this road to get to the Temple. So there you go. It says um, in A.D. 70... Jerusalem was destroyed by the Romans who burnt it, as Josephus says, all the way down to Siloam. And we've been exposing that destruction layer, which included the food, coins, glass vessels, and the pottery vessels, which smashed onto the street and then were covered over by the buildings that collapsed and sealed that destruction layer, which waited for 2,000 years for us to come and excavate it. So that's a rather interesting thing. We've seen these type of things happening. Ever since the reestablishment of Israel, they keep finding things that prove the biblical account. They also prove that the Jews that are there belong there, and that the other story that's been perpetrated on the world that most of the world believes is just a false lie. And uh, so anyway, next article, Jerusalem Post. New York governor in Israel pledges to fight anti-Semitism after a 83% uptick. So, you know, they're saying that anti-Semitism is up during Trump's you know, presidency. Well, that may be true, but it's happening in all Democrat areas. And so don't be misled by people's reports on things. Instead, understand that these things are happening in areas where people are disaffected. They're not happy. 
And that's the result of those type of things is people will start blaming the Jews. That's what happens all around the world. When things don't go well, first people you do is pick out the ones that are isolated from the rest and say it's their problem. So there you go. From the Times of Israel. Mossad chief declares Israel is renewing Oman ties. This is something I brought up a while ago, and now he is publicly saying this. Foreign ministry still won't comment. The head of the Mossad intelligence service said that Israel was renewing ties with Oman. Just recently, renewal of former relations with Oman was declared in the establishment of a representative office of the foreign ministry in that country, Yossi Cohen, said at the Herzliya conference hosted by the Interdisciplinary Center. That is only the visible tip of a much broader secret effort, he said, adding in addition to Israel's historic treaties with Jordan and Egypt, other Arab countries had discreetly joined the states of peace, some of them in an unseen manner. We do not yet have with them official peace treaties, but there is already a communality of interests, broad cooperation, and open channels of communication. Why is this important? This is important because the Arab nations are not recorded as coming against Israel in the Gog Magog battle, which is coming soon to a battle near you. We don't know when it's going to happen, but we can see these people every single week aligning up more and more and more. Turkey and Iran and Russia, and then you get Libya is going through chaos right now, and they're all said to be coming against Israel. Egypt isn't, and yet they're right next door. Jordan isn't, and yet they're right next door. And all of these other Arab countries are not recorded as coming against Israel. Israel and Oman agreed to open trade representative offices in the 1990s, but in 2000, the Gulf Sultanate closed them after the outbreak of the second Fakistinian Intifada. The announcement was greeted warily by senior Fakistinian official Hanan Ashrawi, who warned Oman against using the new embassy as a step towards establishing formal relations with Israel. If this has a political price attached, then certainly there will be ramifications, she said. Like they're able to do anything. They don't have enough money to pay their own people much or, you know, turn on their electricity, but she's threatening them. Anyway, I don't know if you know it, but Hannah Nershrawi used to be Peter Jennings' girlfriend years ago. Yeah, they were boyfriend-girlfriend. and So it shows you there was that left slant way back years ago when he was still alive. So anyway, from Jerusalem Post... Netanyahu, more proof of Iran's nuclear lies to come soon. I hate being wedded like this. He says something and he gives you a little bit of information and they, but it's coming. But just, you see the news this morning that Epstein got arrested and they have, I think it was 167 names that uh, uh, are to be released, but they are allowing two weeks for appeal on these people. If you don't know the story, he is a billionaire that has uh, been involved in pedophilia rings and uh, human trafficking, sex trafficking, and he is a friend of a lot of political bigwigs on the left. Okay, maybe some on the right too, I don't know, but there is going to be, if those names do come out, there's going to be real embarrassment in some circles. But anyway, we'll go on. More proof uh, will soon be provided to prove that Iran has been lying all the time about its nuclear development program. Prime Minister Netanyahu said just hours after Tehran confirmed that it had gone beyond the 300 kilogram of low enriched uranium allowed under the 2015 nuclear deal. Netanyahu said that when Israel exposed Iran's nuclear archives in 2018, we proved that the entire nuclear agreement with Iran is based on one big lie. And we reported on that at that time. Remember, Israel went into Iran, they broke into their nuclear facility, got all these documents, and were out before they even knew it happened. 
big, big stuff there. Iran, Netanyahu said, is making a significant step towards the production of nuclear weapons. Just this morning, I saw that they are today promising to go over their 5% allowance or up to 5%. I think it was 3% that they were supposed to have. So they're whittling away now at the nations to see who is going to challenge them and who isn't. Anyway, I say it again, Israel will not let Iran develop nuclear weapons. Netanyahu called on European countries to fulfill their commitments under the nuclear agreement to snap back sanctions against Iran once it violates the nuclear agreement. So there you go. Um, we have uh, Christian News next, and the first article I added in late yesterday, this is from Israel Heute, which is a German newspaper, okay? And I had to have it translated from German, which thankfully Google does that automatically now. And here's what it says. Video from Jericho to Jerusalem. In the following video, we accompany Sergio, Rhoda, and their friend Charlie on their hike from Jericho to Jerusalem. The 50-kilometer path leads along the ancient road of the Good Samaritan. There's also a visit to the St. George Monastery in Wadi Kelt built in the first half of the 5th century. So it made a German newspaper over there. The monastery hangs on the northern cliff of Wadi Kelt and can only be reached via a footpath. After visiting the monastery, there is a surprise on the way through the desert, an ancient aqueduct that leads through the desert like a water slide. The Romans had supplied Jericho with water at that time. There are three water sources in the Wadi, one Farrar, one Farrar, and one Kelt. This ancient water pipe from Roman times is still functional today, and I can say I have swam in it. After a refreshing dip in the water, they head towards Jerusalem. This is not an easy path. It always goes up, they say. And then they didn't translate the last sentence very well. It says, whether our hikers have reached their destination in the end. So they're questioning, did they make it? So they're, they're whetting your appetite to go and watch the thing and see if we died in the wilderness or if, in fact, we made it to Jerusalem. So there you go. And then uh, I call the rest of the Christian category today in God's face from the Daily Caller. Newly consecrated gay bishop declares God is a woman. Reverend Thomas Brown, who is married to a fellow priest, was ordained as a bishop of the Diocese of Maine in the Episcopal Church June 22nd. They've been going downhill for years. I, when I grew up, I was at the Episcopal Church on the Key, and you could see very quickly how they were going down the tubes. Well, they're down the tubes now. Immediately following his ordination, Brown referred to God as a she twice in the Nicene Creed. She is worshipped and glorified. She has spoken through the prophets, the just-ordained Bishop Brown said, referring to the Holy Spirit. The microphones in the Cathedral of St. Luke projected the voice of the celebrant, who is a guy named Bishop Curry, for the duration of the creed, barring the line where Bishop Brown used female pronouns for God. In other words, they switched to him just to shove it in God's face. It is unclear if the microphones were intentionally switched, of course they were, to project Bishop Brown's female gendering of God. The Episcopal Church has a tradition of interpreting the book of Proverbs. It mentions the Lady of Wisdom as referring to the Holy Spirit. Inclusive language of God is encouraged by the Episcopal Church. This means the use of male and female imagery and metaphors in a balanced way to express the truths we know of God, the Episcopal Dictionary of the Church says. Well, they're building their diving boards to go right off into hell, I can tell you that, from CBN. Drag Queen reads during worship service as Cincinnati Church celebrates Pride Month. 
Dan Davidson dressed up as Spark Lee, complete with a purple dress, makeup, high heels, and a glitter beard, and stood at the Mount Auburn Presbyterian Church door, greeting members and visitors. They allowed a drag queen to open their church services. Following the song, God Welcomes All, by the church choir, Davidson walked up on stage and read the book Pride, the story of Harvey Milk and the Rainbow Flag to the audience. The story was intended for children, some of whom sat at Davidson's feet during the reading. Harvey dreamed that everyone, even gay people, would have equality, Davidson read. He dreamed that one day people would be able to live and love as they pleased. At another point during the service, a man stood up and told the audience the story of his coming out. Gay pride flags covered the halls and rainbow candles are on the church's stage. From the Superior Word News Service. From the PCUSA Presbyterian Church, United States of America, ordains their first non-binary person as minister. The Presbytery of James, a governing body of the Presbyterian Church, USA, ordained its first pastoral candidate who identifies as a gender non-binary, meaning not exclusively masculine or feminine. Jess Cook was ordained during, in other words, a freak. And they've ordained this person. <laughs> Jess Cook was ordained during a ceremony June 29th at the Ginter Park Presbyterian Church in Richmond, Virginia. The Presbytery is the governing body of the PCUSA in Virginia with more than 100 member churches. Cook became the first non-binary person to complete the PCUSA's ordination process. Ooh, boy. More light Presbyterians and LGBT advocacy group issued a statement celebrating Cook's achievement. We rejoice that Jess's visibility as a non-binary faith leader has already made room for LGBTQIA LMNOP people to see themselves as image bearers of the divine. Cook will work in the position of program and communications manager for the advocacy group. Cook claimed the recognition of other genders is important, stating if worship is only brothers and sisters, youth will simply opt out of the church. PCUSA is the most liberal, but also the largest Presbyterian denomination in the country. Over the last decade, the denomination has embraced the LGBT community, which has led hundreds of churches to break with the PCUSA over scriptural and doctrinal issues. Thank God there's a modicum of reason left within the Presbyterian church, but there's none left in the PCUSA. They are done. From Zero Hedge. Penn College, this goes back to an article we read last year. They're doing it again this year. Penn College offers Queering God courses. Once again, shoving in God's face. Swarthmore College offers a course on Queering God, most recently taught during the spring 2019 semester that provides a feminist and queer perspective of the Bible while also exploring God's gender identity. The course is taught by Professor Gwyn Kessler questions whether God is masculine or feminine, figure throughout the examination of feminist and queer writings. Its course description says the class stretches the limits of gendering and sexing the divine. Key themes of the class also outlined in the course description include gender, embodiment, masculinity, liberation, sexuality, and feminist and queer theory. How sad, how absolutely sad from Islam today. Jerusalem Post, Turkey's Erdogan says S-400 systems will be delivered. And I read an article that says it's today they're going to deliver them or start delivering them. 
Turkish President Erdogan said the first delivery of the Russian S-400 missile defense system would take place within 10 days. One article said it would be today, maybe it'll be tomorrow, but it's going to be within the next 24 hours they anticipate. A day after he said there would be no U.S. sanctions for the deal. Mark my word, there will be. Turkey and the U.S. NATO allies have been at odds over Ankara's decision to purchase the S-400s. Washington warns of sanctions if the delivery takes place. Turkey has dismissed the warning, saying it would not back down. Well, once again, you can see Russia aligning very clearly with Turkey on this. Turkey is going to be out of NATO soon. They're not going to be a part of this. Or if they remain a part of it, they're going to be very disconnected. And then, which probably means we'll be losing our bases in Turkey very soon. Incirlik Air Base and some others will probably be closing with this. But they're also aligning with Iran. They're also... Uh, Turkey is down causing trouble in Libya right now. They, they were fighting against some Libyans, so there's little clashes going on. But that's all leading to that alignment with them as well. Sudan is in the uh, play. Uh, right now they're having all kinds of things going on down there. So these countries that are listed in Ezekiel 38 are all beginning to move towards each other or showing signs of disruption where they will eventually move towards this uh, alliance. Let's see here from Mail Online. A little bit of reason from the Dalai Lama. Dalai Lama warns that the whole of Europe could become Muslim or African if migrants are not returned to their home countries. Imagine that. Dalai Lama claims Europe is for the Europeans and migrants should be sent back. The Buddhist warned Europe could become Muslim or African if they are not returned. So we'll see where that goes, but they're not going to listen to that guy. From Zero Hedge, man who bravely fought off Islamic terrorists put on a terror watch list by the UK government. He fought off terrorists at a bridge. He was the, they call him the lion of whatever. Maybe it'll say in the article here. Anyway, he fought these people off that were trying to kill people, stab him, and now he's on a terrorist watch list. Yeah. Oh, here it is. The Lion of London Bridge, who bravely fought off Islamic terrorism, has been put on an anti-radicalization terror watch list by the UK government over fears that he could become a right-wing extremist. Yes, really. 49-year-old Roy Larner defended himself against jihadists who ended up killing eight people and injuring 38 others during the horrific attack in London two years ago. He went into the hospital. He was bandaged up. He was in there. He carried these bandages around for months and months afterward, defending people of England, and now they've got him on a terror watch list. The attack left Larner with more than 80 stitches to his head, ears, arms, and hands after two of the terrorists slashed around his head and neck. Following the attack, Larner revealed that the terrorists had shouted, this is for Allah and Islam, 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 during the rampage. Now Larner himself is being treated as a potential terrorist by the UK government because he was allegedly contacted by far-right anti-Islam extremists. Some people just contacted him, and now he's to blame because they contacted him. All right, uh, let's see here. They treat me like a terrorist, but I'm not a political person at all, said Larner, who revealed he has been forced to attend de-radicalization classes and is being monitored by the police. Despite being hailed as a hero after the attack, with speculation that he could even be given the George Cross, the highest civilian award for gallantry, Larner is now literally being treated as a potential terrorist by his own country. The United Kingdom is so addled with political correctness, it treats those who fight back against Islamic jihadists as terrorists. Now imagine that. Somebody comes in here and starts stabbing people, and one of us defends 
the church and gets all hurt in the process but takes out the radicals, that would be just like them coming in and accusing us of having done wrong when all we're doing is defending the people in the church or out in Sarasota or down by the whatever, mm-hmm. all right? I mean, it's just absolutely crazy. From the Al Monitor, Sunni Islam's top cleric. Now, this is Sunni Islam's top cleric, okay? Women can't leave home without man's permission. Husband allowed to beat wives. He said that in a uh, thing just a week ago, all right? Mail online. If you don't let me drive, I don't want you. Saudi Arabian women demand husbands to be put their right to drive in marital contract. (laughs) To drive women no longer requires the explicit approval of their male guardians. It remains unclear whether women have any legal recourse if their guardian prevents them from taking the wheel, but now they're asking for it in advance. I want to drive, and if not, you can't have me. (laughs) Mail online. Muslim women defy French burkini ban and go swimming fully clothed in protest. So they're having a little bit of blowback from the burkini ban. And then from the Telegraph, French nudists and burkini bathers in heat wave pool standoff. Hundreds of French nudists are threatening to bear all against the burkini-clad bathers in an unlikely showdown at public baths in Grenoble as an ongoing row over the body-covering garment has resurfaced in the heat wave. So they got all the problems in the world over there in France, don't they? From West Journal, Western Journal, Iran threatens to move toward nuclear weapons if demands are not met by Sunday, which is today. Guess what? They signed the Non-Proliferation Treaty, okay? They signed it. And so by saying this and by taking any action, they are in violation not only of the JCPOA, but they're also in violation of the NPT. But whatever, we'll see where that goes. From Mongolia today, from Reuters. Anybody know where, um, what's his name, John Bolton went during the, when Trump went to shake the hand of the little Korean guy, um, Kim Kim Il, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, does anybody know where Bolton went? He was sent off to Mongolia. Yes, banished to Mongolia. Bolton's absence from Trump-Kim meeting fuels firing rumors again. As Trump's most trusted advisor on all things geopolitical, one would expect John Bolton to have the president's ear before, during, and after his historic foray across the demilitarized zone and into North Korea and subsequent meeting with Kim Jong-un. That's it. Okay. However, Bolton was nowhere to be seen during Sunday's impromptu summit and was instead dispatched to Mongolia to talk security with Mongolian State Secretary, I can't pronounce his name, John Bolton, at Ambassador John Bolton. He says, delighted to be in Ulaanbaatar and looking forward to meeting with officials to find ways to harness Mongolia's capabilities in support of our shared economic and security objectives. And he says, thank you for the warm welcome, Secretary of State. Uh, Once again, the guy's name that I can't pronounce. So it looks like he may be out. When the most important thing that Trump has done all year happens, he gets a TV reporter, the guy from Fox News, to be his man, and he sends Bolton off to Mongolia. So that's kind of funny there. Anyway, Daniel 12 Technology today. Mail online. Pentagon has developed a laser that can identify subjects from hundreds of meters away based on their heartbeat. The Pentagon can identify targets from afar using a laser to measure heartbeats. Now, this is something that was in a Hollywood movie 
quite a long time ago. There's a sniper up on top of a building, and he's looking through this scope, and he sees the person's heartbeat, and he knows exactly who to shoot and where to shoot him, okay? They probably watched that movie and said, that's a great idea, and the Pentagon has developed it. The Pentagon can identify targets from afar using a laser to measure heartbeats. Technology is being developed for U.S. Special Operations for surveillance. Infrared lasers are able to penetrate clothing and skin to monitor blood flow. Heartbeats are completely unique, unlike faces or even thumbprints. Prototypes currently have a range of about 200 meters. So they not only know where the person is, they know who the person is based on their heartbeat. Mail Online, new type of glass inspired by seashells, could pave the way for shatterproof phone screens. Always look to nature if you want to know how to do things right. Researchers develop new glass based on arrangement of the material nacre, is how you would pronounce it, I guess. N-A-C-R-E, nacre. This can be found in mollusks, shells, and helps them to withstand impacts. The team says their glass is two to three times as strong as laminated or tempered glass. So you might have an unbreakable foam pretty soon, folks. I won't, but you might. <laughs> Mail online. Could this smartphone gadget spell an end to food poisoning? Sensors that cost pennies to produce can detect gases from spoiled meat and fish. Experts from Imperial College London developed a paper-based gas sensor. It can detect ammonia and trimethylene when meat and fish is spoiled. Embedded in packaging, they may replace best-before dates within three years. They could also be applied to dairy goods and other produce, scientists say. So you take your phone and scan your food, and it looks okay to me. <laughs> Revelation plagues today. Reuters, swine fever toll in China may be twice as high as reported. They've been reporting, you know, in China, it's a secret society. They don't let out all of their... Because they don't want people to know if they're having real problems because then that becomes a security threat to them. They're, they're making all these military moves and if they can't feed their own people. But how do they know this? As many as half of China's breeding pigs have either died from African swine fever or been slaughtered because of the spreading disease. Twice as many as officially acknowledged, according to the estimates of four people who supply large Farms. That's how they know. The suppliers are getting much, much less demand. They know exactly how many pigs are alive because that's how many pigs have to be fed. All right. While other estimates are more conservative, the plunge in the numbers of sows is poised to leave a large hole in the supply of the country's favored meat, pushing up food prices and devastating livelihoods in a rural economy that includes 40 million pig farmers. Something like 50% of sows are dead, said a veterinarian who has spent 14 years in China and founded Enable Agricultural Tech Consulting, a Beijing-based farm services firm with clients across the country. Three other executives at producers of vaccines, feed additives, and genetics also estimate 40 to 50% based on falling sales for their company's products and direct knowledge of the extent of the deadly disease on farms across the country. Losses are not only from infected pigs dying or being culled, but also farmers sending pigs to market early when the disease is discovered nearby, which analysts say has kept a lid on pork prices in recent months. They're trying to kill as many pigs as they can so they don't lose their revenue is what's going on. However, prices began rising substantially this month, and China's agricultural ministry has said they could surge by 70% in coming months as a result of the outbreak. They're killing all their pigs. The price has been kept down because of that. Now the pigs are running out. 
and the prices are starting to go up. They figure 70% increase in prices coming. Zero Hedge, massive pig Ebola epidemic gives Trump big leverage in China trade deal. We'll see if that pans out. But if so, he could say, we know what the problem you have is, and you're going to deal with us. They need our soybeans for protein if they don't have their pigs, okay? This has been a real problem here, and it may be something Trump can use. It's a good article. I won't cite it. Morality today. I'm going to do what I do from time to time. These are the past two or three months' worth of articles that did not make the, uh, the update. I'm just going to give you the titles, maybe a little comment, but uh, just so you know the state of morality in the world and how exactly what the Bible said. It's going to be like the days of Noah, Genesis 6, where wickedness was all over the world. Here we go from NBC. Almost 70% of Americans okay with a gay presidential candidate. CBN, euthanasia becoming default way to die in Belgium. BBC, Tasmania makes it optional to list gender on birth certificates. Tasmania, you can now be whatever you want. New York Times, South Korea rules anti-abortion law unconstitutional. They now have abortion because they went in there and said it's unconstitutional, not allowing women to have abortion, so... Free abortions in South Korea now. From the Christian Post, Baltimore schools to allow transgender students to use preferred pronouns, locker rooms, mail online. United States only historically black all-male college will be admitting transgender students in 2020, but will ban transitioning women. (laughs) Whatever. From the Daily Wire, woman gets Uber driver fired for refusing to take her to get an abortion. Now she's looking to sue him. He, he said, I can't drive you to that abortion clinic, and she got him fired, now she's going to sue him. College Fix, student newspaper editorial board endorses non-white segregated housing. CBS Philly, goodbye handshakes. Some companies considering banning all physical contact in workplace. No shaking hands because you might offend somebody. Mail Online, NBA Commissioner Adam Silver wants half of new coaches and referees to be female because physically there's no advantage to being a man. Yeah, Mail Online, even emojis are going gender neutral. Google launches Person among new phone icons after complaints from politically correct brigade. From Breitbart, UK, parents gender transition son seven and foster son three to female. Tell me that this gender transitioning has anything to do with who you really are when you're taking a child that's three years old and saying you're now going to be a girl instead of a boy or a boy instead of a girl. This has nothing to do with people actually being what they think they are. It has everything to do with them being screwed up in the head. It's just crazy, absolutely insane, and ruining the next generation like this NBC, Australian political leaders agree gays don't go to hell. I'm glad they voted that one out. (laughs) CNN, Taiwan legalizes same-sex marriage in historic first for Asia. Reuters, Taiwan celebrates Asia's first same-sex marriages 10 seconds later as couples tie knot. Zero Hedge, the growing phenomena of radically exclusive grad ceremonies. In other words... Keep the blacks here, keep the whites here. But I guarantee you, they're only black-only grad ceremonies because if it was a white-only, they'd be sued, they'd be kicked out of the school, they wouldn't be given their diploma or whatever else. But this is the world being divided by the left. From CBS Local, mother says 12-year-old daughter was taken to a clinic, 
had birth control implanted in her arm against her will. The clinic said it doesn't need parental consent to perform the procedure, as if that excuses it. But the girl's mother said she was brought there by another woman against her will. This person took this child in, had her, you know, injected with this thing, and they didn't even question it at the clinic because it's not our responsibility. We, we don't have to have parental permission. That needs to end. National Review. Canada Court. Doctors must euthanize, abort, or refer. They have no choice in the matter. You must euthanize, abort, or refer. You can't just say, no, I'm not being a part of this. And if you don't want to euthanize a person, you have to refer. If you don't want to abort somebody, you have to refer. But you must refer. Yahoo! Kenya's high court unanimously upholds ban on gay sex. Finally, one good article. Kenya did the right thing. Okay, where are we now? Let's see. Gateway Pundit. New Gillette ad features dad teaching his transgender son how to shave. LifeSite. Argentinian doctor found guilty for refusing to abort 23-week-old baby. 23-week-old baby said, I'm not going to abort this child, and now he's guilty. BBC. BBC. Weighing little more than an apple at birth. Sebi is the smallest baby ever to survive. I did one of these a while ago, a baby in Japan. Here's one that's smaller. At 8.6 ounces, Sebi weighed little more than an apple at birth and is believed to be the world's smallest baby to survive, according to the tiniest baby registry. Her birth was so premature, doctors consider her a micro preemie, a baby born before 28 weeks gestation. Sabi was monitored at the Sharp Mary Birch Hospital's neonatal intensive care unit in California until reaching an adequate weight. She now has been discharged, weighing 5.6 pounds. Guess how old she was when she was actually delivered? 23 weeks. This guy in Argentina, 23 weeks, is guilty of not aborting a baby, and yet this baby was born at 23 weeks. Now, how can that be a fetus and this be a baby? How is that possible? You answer that for me. I would like one Democrat on the face of this planet to explain to me that. All right. Having said that, before we go on to our last category, I was sent a book and everybody here should know I do not read books. Okay. I told them this. I do not read books ever. I don't have time. I read the Bible in the morning. I read the Bible at night and I'm answering Bible questions all day. I haven't read a book in years. Okay. But they sent me this book, Sandra Fernando. Okay. And her husband, uh, they send it to me, and we've been in a conversation. And I said, I don't read books, but I will ask somebody in the congregation to read it. It's called, When Did My Life Begin? And Jim here read it. If anybody wants to read it, please take it home. It is from the perspective of a baby in the womb. This child is having a conversation with its mother in the womb. All right. Jim says this will not convince anybody on the left that they're making a mistake. And he said it's not going to change anybody's mind on the right, okay? But it is a book that you will understand from a different perspective than you've ever had before that uh, the issue, okay? So I can recommend it. Jim recommended it. And I thank people. When I get a book and I say, would you read this for me? I always am appreciative of that because I'm not reading any books. People ask me to, you know, recommend books or read them or whatever. I don't have time. But I do recommend this based on Jim's recommendation, and I think you would enjoy it. If anybody wants to read it, it'll be right up here. I'll put it on. You can walk by and take it with you when you uh, take communion today. There you go. But there you go. Um, From our other category, CBS. 
I don't know if you've heard about this, but this is a huge problem. Florida City pays $600,000 to hackers who seized its computer system. A Florida City agreed to pay $600,000 in ransom to hackers who took over its computer system, the latest in thousands of attacks worldwide aimed at extorting money from governments and businesses. The Riviera Beach City Council voted unanimously to pay the hackers' demands, believing the Palm Beach suburb had no choice if it wanted to receive its records, which the hackers encrypted. Now, this is a very wealthy part of Florida. They could afford it, $600,000. The council already voted to spend almost $1 million on new computers and hardware after hackers captured the city's system three weeks ago. Next article, Zero Hedge. Florida City pays $462,000 in ransom after second cyber attack cripples city's infrastructure. This is a city that cannot afford it. Cyber criminals have struck for a second week in a row, this time on a small Florida city called Lake City. The city has agreed to pay ransom to the tune of hundreds of thousands of dollars after a ransomware attack crippled its systems. Lake City's council approved the measure during an emergency meeting and will be paying about $462,000 via Bitcoin by way of the city's insurer. The payment follows a similar incident in Riviera Beach, a city of 34,000 near West Palm Beach, where the city's council authorized a similar $600,000 ransom payment. The FBI advises against paying hackers, saying there's no guarantee they will release data and that it could make victims susceptible to future attacks. But some victims don't have a choice. For instance, in March, Jackson County, Georgia, paid $400,000 after realizing a cyber attack had compromised its backups. At the start of this month, we detailed a similar ransomware attack on the city of Baltimore. Officials estimated that attack where Baltimore rejected a $76,000 ransom will instead cost the city about $18 million in IT costs and lost revenue. They could have paid the $76,000. They didn't. It's going to cost them $18 million. You are stuck one way or another when this happens. And I hope that if you know the people in Sarasota County government, you will let them know. I'm sure they're aware of this, but let them know you're concerned about it and that they need to take action because, you know, we work hard. We pay our taxes, and it gets frittered away in this type of thing. Let that happen to the Democrat states. I don't care, but not Florida, all right? Bloomberg, San Francisco becomes first U.S. city to pass an e-cigarette ban. Think it through, folks. The city voted to ban sales of e-cigarettes, making it illegal to sell nicotine vaporizer products in stores or for online retailers to ship the goods to San Francisco addresses. Guess what? One of the largest e-cigarette companies in the country is in San Francisco. It's like taking a gun, pointing at your foot and just shooting until it is completely gone and then start shooting at the other foot. All right. It says the ban will be the first of its kind to go into effect in the United States. The ordinance will now go to the mayor to sign into law, which you know will happen. Cigarettes and other tobacco products will remain legal. Cigarette and other tobacco products will remain legal along with recreational marijuana. Plus, in San Francisco, you get free drug needles anytime you want them. You get free crack and heroin and you get to poo on the streets and nobody says anything. But you can't have e-cigarettes and they make them right there. Tell me, tell me there's not something wrong with the liberal mind. No, there you go. There is no mind, he said. Zero hedge. 
conditions on San Francisco streets like slums of Mumbai, Delhi, and Manila, says an observer. Weasel zippers. NBA bans word owner. You can't have an owner of a franchise in the NBA anymore in favor of governor to avoid offending black players. You're an owner. I mean, you own something. Breitbart. It's what? Yeah. I'm not going to say that. Breitbart. Um, 20 times. 20 times. I went back and I read the article and I reported on some of them. 20 times Breitbart reported on migrant deaths during the Obama-Biden years, and no one cared. No one cited the articles. Nobody commented on them. We have a death down there, which is the Democrats' fault. And guess what? Okay, let's see here. Zero Hedge. Game changer. Is Libra, the Trojan horse, Libra is Facebook's Bitcoin that's coming out, is Libra the Trojan horse for an SDR-backed redesign of the global financial system? Why? Because Sergio said years ago, when Bitcoin first came out, he said, this will be nothing. He said, it can't be because it's independent and they need to have a non-independent digital money. It's going to go nowhere if it's independent because they can't control you and your life. And the Bible says that you and your life are going to be controlled if you are not in Christ and out of here at the rapture. Okay? Libra could be that Trojan horse. So we'll see where it goes. Slate. Federal judge blocks Trump. You all know this, but I'm just reminding you. Blocks Trump from using $2.5 million in military funds for the border wall. This is not Trump's fault that the border wall is not being built. He has done everything humanly possible to get the money, to secure it, and to start building. And every step of the way, these people get in his way. And guess what? I checked out the judge. He's an Obama appointee. He doesn't know anything about anything, but he knows enough to say, I'm going to stop this guy from doing his thing. From Yahoo, U.S. oil output tops 12 million barrels a day for the very first time. He's getting things done when he can, but he's so hindered by the left. From Fox News, 51 shot, including four fatally in Chicago's weekend gun violence. Okay, we got a lesser cure for you. They will not give a slap on the wrist when you say that you're not terrorist. If they reach out to you, those that haven't a clue will put you on their infamous list. Poor guy in the UK, man. Defend yourself, save people's lives, and get put on a list. Good job, Les. And uh, before I get to our irony, I would like to tell you that uh, we have a brand new Sergio and Rhoda video. If you haven't watched the one that I referred to earlier from Jericho to Jerusalem, I happen to know a couple of the people in the video, and I can tell you that it's a very good video. I think you'd like it very much. Go watch last week's and then watch their new one, which came out today or is coming out today. We got a preview of it. It's uh, from the Ramon Crater. It's a very good one. It's a cool place. And uh, so there you go. I'll link that at the end of the uh, YouTube video. Our irony of the week is entitled, I was hungry. Mail online, woman is banned from a Texas Walmart after she ate half a cake and demanded that she only be charged half price. Oh yeah. And then mail online, Hamburglar. Hamburglar, Florida police arrest a thief who broke into a Wendy's restaurant and grilled himself a burger before robbing the store's safe. So he stopped, cooked a hamburger, and then he robbed the place. Such is the world we live in. So from Sarasota, Florida to Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia, I'm Charlie Garrett. 
This is The Superior Word, and that is your Prophecy Update for the week.